if we were to, if we were to start this podcast now, this would be podcast 37, eight, oh, say eight, it's 38. Be, somewhere between 38 and 40. Yeah, yeah, so you need to speak up. To be, well, I'm still leading. Well, put it down. <laughs> um, so, quick introductions. Hey, by the way, have you listened to any of these, Chris? No. Uh, you haven't no. listened to failure of the podcast? No. You, we, you're we, lucky. No. We failed. We failed. We get again. <laughs> you did. Um, so, quick introductions. Without anything else, uh, you are just name. Name only. Mark. You. Mick. Dave. Christopher. Christopher, we need to know about you. Give us a quick background. Are we actually on? Or? We're on. We're on. on. Yeah, we're I didn't know how it worked. Well, it's... You just talk ha- and ignore the... We talk, yeah. Ignore so, the stuff. Yeah, it's pretty informal. And there'll be music... We'll put music on at the front, we'll put music on at the end, and if we're lucky, there'll be three listeners. We have a few listeners. Okay. No, so background. Chris is really interesting. You had a great background. Nick and I met you before. Okay. Um, and Mark, my, Mark may be glad he never met you, and we interrupt no, each other no. constantly. So No, it's, uh, so, it's nice to meet a fellow Wayland resident. Speak up to the mic. Keep going. <clears throat> I was originally trained as a biologist. Um, I ended up eventually in management school, got an MBA. And your name is Chris Lafarge. And my name is Christopher Lafarge. Christopher. And I, do you go by Chris? My family of origin, we always went by full names. Okay. So my sister was Antoinette, not Tony. No way. I was Christopher, not Chris. Can we call you Chris today, or Chris, is it Christopher? I've learned after many years in business to answer to almost any variation okay. on the theme. <laughs> it's like the Paul Simon song, you can call me Al. <laughs> okay. so, some some of them were even repeatable in public. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Keep going. So tell us more about yourself, Chris slash Christopher. And I got out of management school, and one of the guys who was there is a, a, one of the early Yale School of Management. Oh, really? and, and I was there. I was the oh. third and the third class that ever graduated from the oh. place. Oh. Uh, Donaldson of Donaldson, Loveton, and Genred, who we call Dollar Bill, uh, <laughs> was the dean. Oh, and, really? uh, yeah. He lived up to his name. Oh, that's very interesting. And so he was there for five years. And he brought in several faculty people, including this one fellow, Larry, that I was uh, worked with and was a TA for and so forth, to do le- marketing and strategic planning. And although Larry had a DBA from Harvard, he hadn't been publishing, so Yale and its great wisdom couldn't offer him a tenure track. So he got to be a, five, a, a five-year appointment for the, a professor of the practice of marketing. Ah. And so my, my t- tenure there was over at the same time his was. Ah. We decided to set up a company. And I've been doing the entrepreneurial stuff ever since. Ah. And how many years is uh, three decades, two decades? Maybe I mean, we should just move on. Well, no, we're, going. <laughs> we're, we're all of a certain age. <laughs> but this has been a while. Uh, 1981. Oh, that's great. So okay, it's been so a while. You, so when, I, when you and David, I... David, you're the youngest at the table. I am, I am, but not by much. Um, when, when, when you and I spoke, you had just, your company had just, your last company had just failed. Mm-hmm. And I said to you, well, what are you going to do next? You know, in trying to be sympathetic, you said, well, I have three offers on my table, on my desk already. Mm-hmm. And I have investors who are ready to go into my next company, whatever it is. Yes. So tell and us about the first company. The you sound like wait, a, can you recommend just failing? And then you get three offers? I mean, that doesn't seem to make sense. <laughs> the, the issue was that the product didn't fail, the company did. And I make that distinction because the product... You mean the latest one? The latest one. Right. It was oh. a medical device. Yeah. We had CE marking, which is the equivalent of 510K regulatory right. clearance That's here in the U.S. German That's for all of Europe and okay. half the rest of the That's world. That's like TCT for... Oh, yeah, don't right. even try. It's just, it's like literally, a, it's yeah. Right, yeah. Australia, New Zealand, right. South Africa, India. So it's, so it's EU plus yeah, Asia yeah. Pac. Canada. So where, where does Canada belong these days? 
I don't know. I think it's part of Europe. Is it? It used to be part of the United States. They'd, they'd want to be part of Europe. We lost anyway, one go listener there. So anyway, the, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, we also had ISO 13485, wow. which is the um, equivalent for medical devices of ISO 9001. Oh. Um, the product was working. We had tremendous demand in Europe from major medical centers for the product. And our problem was we didn't have the working capital to build the inventory to sell, and oh. I was totally unable to raise it. I and the board worked for two years to try to raise, oh. you know, 1.6, 1.8 million bucks. Wow. We were not looking for big numbers, and, and this is letter it goes straight into. In, in, well, we didn't have any assets. Yeah, you know, the, the assets were IP. Yeah, yeah. Could <laughs> you, you know, get orders and then do? Not sufficient to raise the kind of money wow. we needed to have to build inventory and to sell and to build accounts. Maybe you should give the so listener. Forth. The list, the one listener, the one give half him, listener. They're giving him. Uh, they're doing their dishes right now. Thumbnail, the one listener. A thumbnail sketch of what the product was. Oh, because no, it's fairly, we are one of our earlier guests, prior guests, not today, was um, had um, had a woman uh, had bras uh, mm-hmm. for large-breasted women, and we thought this would be a perfect complement to that. <laughs> well, see, see what this, you can do with that one. <laughs> this, you're welcome. This is a company. Uh, it was a product called Prostometric, which is to measure the volume and size of a man's prostate. Turns out to be a very important metric. And it was not done externally. This was not radiological. It was not an imaging device. <laughs> uh oh. So we're narrowing down the possibilities. Well, here. you all are old enough that you've probably had that socially awkward exam called a digital rectal exam. <laughs> But you can instrument that exam so you can actually make so a quantitative no measurement. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But this is not digital in the sense of these kinds of digits. It's digital in this digit. <laughs> this must have been great to raise money for. <laughs> well, I did have one rather funny they had more time. more mature investors than, than, than we. Well, you, yeah. you, the, 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 before you get to that, the problem you're going to have is most VC you know, guys are 30s. And don't know they have a prostate, exactly. much less what can go wrong so with it or how it gets examined. Yeah, you yeah. need to find the prior <laughs> but, generation of GPs. But I went to a beauty pageant, right? ED, ED medicine. A bunch of entrepreneurs yep. each get up, 10 minutes to speak, 10 minutes to answer questions, and a bunch of ostensibly uh, investors, right? right? And this one young sort of VC guy, business suit, MBA, <laughs> yep. clearly, you know, he raises his hand, I call on him, and he wants to know, you know, what's the addressable market, blah, blah, blah. And his final question is, and are there any barriers to entry? <laughs> <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> At this point, I just looked at him until he turned bright red and said, no, 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 I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> but the giggle factor in this yeah. product has been absolutely marvelous. It's really made it fun. Has it actually helped the fundraising or no? Well, apparently it didn't. Uh, well, it did because we were we actually raised founders' shares, friends and family shares. We did a Series A oh, okay. with Super Angels. Yeah, yeah. So I call them the guys who can write you know, yeah. $250 to $1 million yeah. checks. Yeah. Right. Um, and then we were trying to get essentially was a, a follow-on round for the Series A. Okay, yeah, to, to build inventory. Exactly. <laughs> Just literally, we we were ready to launch the product, and we didn't have the inventory. And because it's a recurrent sales product, you know, it's a single-use disposable. Right. Once you start, you better have a steady stream going out to that guy. So to speak. Piss well, that's the other side. Exactly. You've heard that one a few times too. <laughs> oh, yeah. He tried to tried to forget. Okay, so you had this. You had this glove, this finger, this digital it finger. It literally goes over. It was a, a, like it would, a cot that goes over the forefinger. So it would measure the size of the prostate, and, exactly. and then give the uh, physician a chance to say, "Geez, you need to the patient. You really ought to get 
get this imaged or get it biopsied? Well, actually, the, the key differentiator at that, that, that first sort that you want to do is which guys should get a bi biopsy, yeah. which guys uh, should get treated for uh, prostatitis or some other BPH-related mm -hmm. complication, and which guys should go in what's called watchful waiting or active surveillance, which right. means just come in once a year and we'll make sure nothing's happening. And this thing, this one, this glove would do all that? If you... It, it provides a piece of information that would do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there is a, me a metric of PSA, yep. um, which is called PSA density, which is something of a misnomer. Okay. Which is PSA divided by prostate volume in milliliters. And what oh. that does essentially normalizes the score, right. the PSA score, right. for enlargement. Yeah, right, got it. Because larger means more leaks into the blood serum, yeah. and the PSA score is actually not how much PSA you have, but how much has leaked into the okay. blood serum. Right. Okay, so it's really a leakage factor. And it turns out that... Mick is looking very uncomfortable, by the way, exactly. right now. <laughs> He's sitting if, on one now. If you... Uh, He's getting a demo now. I have a female doctor. <laughs> that makes it even more socially awkward. Yeah. <laughs> I, had, I actually... I had a, for a while... Uh, at, at Mass General, they rotated, if you'll forgive that expression, rotated a Sit female yeah, a, a GPN. And she's like, I'm sorry, do you mind if I do this? I have to do this. And she goes, uh, you know, you she said, What's the alternative? And she said, The guy standing out in the hallway with the dirty no, gloves and she, on. She was, uh, you know, a petite woman. And she goes, well, um, uh, you know, my hands are smaller than your than your last doctor. I said, yeah, but he moved a lot faster. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, well, does I this was, get an explicit rating on the uh, nah, podcast? No, this gets no. <laughs> I was, uh, I'm keeping the explicit stuff off the That's okay, we don't. Um, we, we <laughs> there was one time, though, when I was talking to a couple of people like you guys who right. wanted to say, what, what was I working on? What was this product all about? And I said, well, fundamentally, the problem is, you know, when the doctor moves his finger back and across, he doesn't have any way of calibrating that, right. and therefore, he doesn't have a clue what the size of the prostate is. Right. And that's one of the two things he's supposed to be measuring right. from the prostate, prostate, from the digital rectal exam. And, you know, at some point I, I wait, waggled my finger back and forth, and one of the guys I was talking to said, if you do that one more time, I'm going to have to leave. <laughs> it's really unpleasant well, so, so that, um, and I, I, have, uh, I knew someone else, a few other people, you know, kind of marketing medical devices or building medical devices that are dealing in uncomfortable topics. There was a, a guy I know locally, I think he's either Wayland or Sudbury, where it was something about um, uh, female incontinence after mm -hmm. a certain procedure, and I forgot what the procedure was. That was great, Jerry. Yes. And, you know, it's always like, ha, 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 until you realize it's a real problem. Yeah, it's so, a real problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, the, so the question yeah. really is, how does one, because we do have a few listeners, how does an entrepreneur who's creating something that's you know, you could be queasy about the topic, you can make jokes about it. You know, again, we talked about having, you know, women creating a brassiere for women with uh, uh, large, large breasts. breasts. And there were issues there that she felt that she saw. By the I, way, the, the title of that podcast, very inventive, Mass Challenge. <laughs> this is what you're dealing with here. We're at that so, low so level. So the question is, for, for future entrepreneurs, how do you? I, I mean, you have to have a sense these? of humor about sure. it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. how do you how yeah. do you market that and and raise money? Well, first of all, we're we're marketing primarily to specialists, to okay. the urologists and uro-oncologists. So, mm. so they know that stuff. And it'll eventually trickle down to urologic nurses and to PCPs, or right. we call them general practitioners, right. GPs in this country. Um, and so you're talking to specialists who understand the anatomy. You don't have to explain to them yeah, any of it. But from an investor but standpoint. But on the flip side of this, right. it's really important that I be able to talk dirty to the urologist. I've right. got to be able, yeah, yeah, wherever he goes, to drill down and quote articles and 
clearly know my anatomy, right. know the issues, and be right. You know, yeah. otherwise he's going to dismiss me. Right. How okay. did you? How did you learn about this other than your own experiences? I had no no of my own experiences other than the annual physical. Did um, you? Um, was this? Were you a hired gun for a CEO or? No, I was the inventor. No way. Yeah. Really? The inventor. I hate and the to ask what made you think of this. I was looking at an anesthesiology product and spending a, a, literally a day a week in the operating room. Um, Not under the knife. No, observing the <laughs> anesthesiology okay. or the anesthesio oh, okay. an, anis, uh, anesthesiological nurse. Reminds, you never told us about your other companies because you've clearly well, had others. Yeah. He's going to talk about how you went from gas so, passing to rectal exams. Go on. Oh. <laughs> Thank you Mark, very much. Oh, just like pat, pat, pat. <laughs> you've heard that so, one a few times, too. <laughs> the... I was in, it, in there one day, and there was a, a surgeon working on a patient, and he's somebody I knew socially. Oh, and awkward. so, you know, I got to look up the scope and do all kinds of other things because I was there in full scrubs. Yeah. Uh, but he says, listen, after we get this guy settled in the PACU, which is the post-operative care unit, let me tell you about a problem we have. Well, oh. being an entrepreneur, my ears pick up when everybody says there's a pain point. Right. Okay. Oh. So he described, you know, how, you know, every time they see a, 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 uro, a urologist sees a patient, they do a DRE. Okay, and they're supposed What's to get a digital rectal exam. Oh. They're supposed to get two things from that. It's not Dr. Dre. One, no. lumps and bumps. Yep. And two, size. Yeah, right, right. right. Well, they did a, a study in the Journal of Urology a couple of years back where they compared on one axis the actual size of a radical prostatectomy specimen yep. against the size estimate by an experienced oh, urologist. Wow. Yes, yes. I could have drawn a graph, a scatter plot, with mm. a higher correlation with a shotgun. <laughs> it was literally zero correlation. <laughs> um, so that sort of takes out, now you have two reasons that you're doing a DRE. One of them they've proven is complete, completely bogus. Right. Problem number two is if you have stage one cancer or no cancer, there will be nothing palpable. By definition, stage one is not palpable. So you already have to be at stage two or stage three before there are going to be any lumps and bumps. But we pull the trigger on a biopsy at such a low PSA right. that the likelihood that is that if there is cancer, it's stage one. So, okay, now, both reasons you're doing it are invalid. So and I go into my annual physical, I said, you know, I told my PCP that, that why my reason, he says, I don't know why you bother to do it. He says, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> mm. so, yeah. uh, but um, doctors generally say, <clears throat> uh, I, I'm experienced, I've done a billion of these, and I know exactly what I'm doing, and I'm not going to rely on some glove. Did you hear that one at all or not? Not really. I mean, um, <coughs> doctors are kind of like um, farmers. They've had the experience many, many, many times that when they change things, it gets worse. You know, the farmer figures out just the right, you know, re regimen for putting on fertilizer and when to plant and when to do this. And every time he changes it, the crop's less good. Right. So they're extremely conservative about right. change. And that's true of physicians and for the same, basically for the same reason. Right. However, they... One of the things I did not have to convince, particularly urologists and uro-oncologists of, was that size was important. Right. No proselytizing required. So they already knew it. They wanted it. Um, and I think that this what was going to be very interesting about this is the urologists were saying, we want that. 
and I'm pretty sure very quickly the insurance companies would come to the point of saying, I'm not going to pay for a biopsy until I see right. a which PSA is, D score. Which is really where, you know, so if you're thinking off, that's right. You got it. There's a win-win from our perspective. Um, but you were talking about earlier companies. The, the yeah. last company was the medical device company in urology. Ah. Um, there was a short period in the there when company? I was... Go back to... Go back in, I, was, way, I we, was going to go yeah. in reverse order. Okay, good. The one right. before that was in the oil and gas upstream. We actually developed autonomous robotics to go down into a flowing gas well. So basically, There's I moved, a theme here for I moved you. From, from pipes <laughs> and things that flow through pipes you're, you're right. to plumbing. Listen to podcast number 34, where we yeah. had the guy that had the monitor from MIT yes. that goes down in the well. Yeah, all's well that ends well. Yeah, no. Who was that? Um, he just a uh, uh, French-born guy. His name was... Uh, he has a name. Uh, he, he, we just did it like two weeks ago. Right. He has a, a, a effectively a stethoscope to listen to. So it's not Colin or, Ang- or Colin or uh, no, no, or, no. This uh, is a rod. No, 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 no. no. So what he, you know, he has a uh, he, he claims it's IoT, but he has essentially listens to the each wellhead, mm-hmm. and when he hears gas gurgling, then he knows it's it's time to readjust the the, the well. Unless it's a gas lift well, in which case you want it to be gurgling. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay so go. So you had a. So, okay. Urology so product. For, for, I did the urology product. Yeah. I spent a little bit of time after I left the oil and gas business looking into an anesthesia product, uh, but decided that wasn't going to go. Wasn't going to get off the ground. Yeah. Uh, the only people I could get excited about it were the anesthesiologists, and that was also the, just after the dot-com bust. So in talking to investors, oh, right, 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 right. High right. tech is bad. Yep. Um, AI, because it was an AI-based product, doesn't work. Everybody knows that. Yep. Doesn't okay. matter that ours did. Yeah, and this was early and, AI. Yeah. Yeah. And AI, no, it wasn't that early. It was oh. already being embedded in things like the F-22 fighter oh, aircraft. Right. Okay. Um, the and the third one was computers don't belong in the OR or the ICU. Those are for back office building so and you, record keeping. Were you the CEO or CTO or what were you for these companies? Okay, I was the C- president, CEO, and chairman of the board of the, the medical device company. And how did it do, roughly speaking? Did what? It, it, pardon? Well, the the medical device company. Yeah. That's the one we got to the end, and it wouldn't, and we couldn't get the working capital to launch the oh, product. Oh no, that was the most recent. Yeah, I'm that's sorry. The most I keep thinking that's the I current was, one. I was a CFO and uh, director of business development for the uh, oil and gas company, and, how did it and one of the founders. Okay. We eventually it? sold a product to well, one product went to BP, one went to Halliburton. Okay, so it was a successful exit. Yes. Oh, this was okay. very good. And who's taking up the? Oh, uh, different products. You mean the the business got sold, uh, divided in halves? Well, sold. when when a big company buys a little company, they don't buy the company. They don't want all the goofiness on, on oh. the balance sheet and particularly on the cap table that inevitably oh. happen in early stages and startup right. companies. Yep. They'll so buy happened? the IP. Ah. Okay, and so they buy the product and yeah, all of its it. documentation okay. and okay. all of its whatever, and then they can put it into their yeah. corporate shell. Okay. But they don't want anything to do with ours. Okay, so you sold that, and then you settle up, and the company oh, just, essentially you, shuts down. You just shut down and, and, and the, the, shut down the company pro- and, and yeah, and okay. and uh, dissolve. The and how about the company before that? What were you and how did it go? Oh, I was a managing director of a, a, a consulting firm, um, and we actually had offices here in Europe and in Israel. And we were doing uh, high-level strategy for primarily uh, marketing and distribution, but some strategic planning too. Probably 50, 60 products at least across everything from you know oh. reinforced tubing to <laughs> glad kosher chocolates. And how did that ultimately work out? It was good. It was it worked out very well as a very very profitable consulting practice. 
Uh, we had several of us in it, and then the guy who ran our Israeli office, um, his wife got terminal cancer and died about six months later, but he, meanwhile, the next day, he brought her back to the U.S., and I had to sp I spent the next nine months gracefully closing it down because oh. he had been the, the overseas rainmaker. I'd been the U.S. rainmaker. Oh. So I decided I just didn't want to continue on if he wasn't part of it. Oh. Um, That's too bad. And then before that, I was, was a turnaround. Uh, as a boutique consulting firm in the energy sector. Uh, did mostly international development work for USAID and the World Bank. And we got that one from... Uh, running significantly red to running significantly in the black for the first time in many years. Um, before that, I did a company that did uh, land resource management, uh, where we would go primarily to large landowners. So I'm talking 500 acres plus, in the, from Virginia all the way up to Maine. And we would... Well, the problem was, if you own a large, let's say, 1,200-acre tract, there's probably there probably a couple problem. of open fields right. and some trees. Yeah. There's a bunch of different things. The yeah. problem is when you talk to the agronomist, he'll tell you what to do with the existing fields. Right. If you talk to the forestry consultant, he'll tell you what to do with the, the existing trees. trees. Right. You know, if you talk to the, the tree farm guy, he'll tell you what to do with the existing Christmas trees. Right. None of them will answer the question: Should the land that's currently in agriculture be in agriculture? Should the land that's currently has trees on it? be in trees mm. okay so we would do a comprehensive land multi or multidisciplinary land management practice package and as part of that i was running uh tree farms i was running passive recreation mm. i was running cattle and the largest sheep farm in the eastern united states yeah, i'm sure that turns into a few jokes too at some point but <laughs> so make this has nothing your real Sheepish estate grin. work has nothing to do with that you're more well, no that. but you know i might have some land in louisiana that has oil and gas. It yep. has trees, and there, there are no cows legitimately grazing. Grazing. <laughs> there are none you no, know. We do have a hunting club that goes there. Okay. And so we had a no, fishing I, club. Yeah. That, right, because there's a river that ran yeah, through I mean, I, one I, of the I, properties. I know what the problems could be, and but there's a lot of different definitive answers depending on what you're looking for. Do I want to make money? Do I want to just land bank it? Do I want to do well, whatever? If you look at just the um, the forest <laughs> products end of the bat business. Um, the issue is how do you do the harvesting? The optimal way from a net, current net worth standpoint is to take out understory trees that are never going to become high quality timber or lumber, okay, and continue to give the Lebensraum to the trees that are good, have good form factor and good quality bowls, right. okay, and then at the end of the time, you harvest those, but you're already bringing the next generation up below them in right. the understory and the problem is that may not you may not realize that for 20 or 40 or 50 years whereas many landowners you know that they, they've got us that they pay the college tuition next year yeah um, so that was always the trade-off there um, in doing in doing that so going back we also actually yeah. as part of that we also developed a software package that allowed us to do very accurate, and I mean by comparison, order of magnitude more accurate, estimations of the standing timber by, by species. And by the way, the New England Northeastern Forest is the most diverse ecosystem on the planet outside of the tropics. Huh. Oh. There are four, we, had to, we had to be able to recognize at any season of the year, 45 some odd tree species. Wow. 
Okay, you know, white oak, black oak, pin oak, yeah, wow, et cetera, et cetera. Who, who and each that? of those has a separate market. So the people you send sell sell white pine lumber to are going to be different from the ones you sell scarlet oak timber to. Okay. Okay. Um, and then oh, we would, when we actually would. When we actually prepared a timber sale, we would do 100% inventory of all the trees that have been marked to be cut down and processed. And unless they decided to uh, use some of the grade, the low grade, the grade three uh, oak, as fuel wood instead of the lumber that we said should be fuel wood, we would be within 1% wow. of, what, of, wow. of what we said was there actually being there. Um, so, so before yeah. we get, so if, if Susan were here, one of our um, co-hosts were here, she would say, so this is, podcast is about failure, so we need to get to the failure. But before we get there, uh, what is it that you had done, which, so the last company failed, mm-hmm. um, and we'll get into that. But you had said to me when we spoke in, I'll say it was December or January, that you already had investors lined up, well, you know, in theory, well, you had investors lined up and offers on the table. What is it that you did right, notwithstanding the failure, that it got you such a following? Well, number one, I've got my the board of directors from my company who's thoroughly in my my camp. In my camp, they've got my back. Why? Because they, because he's taking care of their money. Number one. I did everything I said I was going to do. Okay. I did it in a very capital efficient way, and I did it in the time frame that I said I was going to do it in. Um, number two, when we started running into difficulties. That's unlike, usually more than enough. Yeah, right there. <laughs> All right, next. Unlike many of the entrepreneurs that some of these investors have dealt with, when times got tough, I was still hanging in there trying right. to make sure it worked. Unfortunately, we just got, no matter what we did, we couldn't succeed, and that has to do with some, okay, now some the of the inefficiencies and ineffectiveness in the market. Question. Yeah. Most important question that I have to ask you, Christopher, is do the skull and bones really have Pancho Villa's head in their headquarters? I have no idea because I was only there as a graduate student, not as an oh. undergraduate. Oh, right. oh, okay. And the folks that I did know, one of whom was my roommate, actually, who was in that particular uh, um, uh, secret society, I think they call them. This is at Yale. This yeah. is at Yale. Yeah. He yeah. had been there undergraduate. Um, skull and, and bones. He, you know. he would not talk. Oh, really? Even Period. now. Nope. Yeah, I think at Harvard they call them what? Finishing? They call them um, uh, not dining clubs, but there's a another euphemism. I'll think of it in just a second. Yeah, uh, final clubs. Finals. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, so okay, so we don't know the answer to that one. All right. Okay. Still speculative. All right. So you so your <laughs> board um, and therefore your investors were still with you because you did everything you said you were going to do. But my the, board was with with me. The first failure point in the process, the reason, the logical place was to get follow-on capital from the Series A. And, you know, you always expect that investors, if they put in a million, they're going to have another million in reserve. They reserve, that's right, to come back in. The largest single investor and sort of the lead investor in terms of the fact that many of the people who also co-invested with him were also people for who, whose money his family office managed. Right? Yep. And about four years ago, he decided he was no longer interested in private equity, including follow-on money. Oh. So he his wanted, investment thesis changed sort he of. He wanted to play with horses. Oh. He bought 70-some-odd thoroughbreds. Oh, he wants to lose his money. He wants to lose money on a regular basis. You, unless he hits, the, jack- musicals unless like, he hits I, the jackpot and gets a triple crown, in which right. case he might break even if he's lucky. Oh, really? <laughs> 
But as okay. one of the other people on my board said to me at one point, he says, I could no longer talk him talk him into a private equity investment than he could talk me into buying a horse. Okay. 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 So that really, I mean, he screwed me. Okay. Quite frankly, I mean that oh. that was that that pulled the rug right out from under me. And so I spent the, the next year and a half trying to recover uh, from that. So he had the financial to, capability though to participate. Oh Jesus! He just is yeah. what he was interested Third in. Third generation investing. inherited wealth, probably north of a hundred million. So it just. It, so is it actually, does this end up being an un, a sort of uninteresting failure story? I mean, it's a good failure story. No, I, I, but I, it's, look, it's, look, it's, it's, it's real. Like it's important yeah. because the market for private equity and for early stage money is really screwed up. Um, number one, and I'm sure I'm going to offend, offend several people by saying this, this is great. I find investors and particularly the more institutional private equity you know, groups and the VCs President company included, Nick. To be sheep. Or not included. included They're sheep. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. sheep. Oh, this, yeah. This is, it's yeah. whatever that, flavor of the month novel, is. That's not a yeah. novel view. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, but by the time I was trying to raise money Medical devices were in, were not in favor, and AI was, and we didn't have an AI story. You just had to call it an AI medical device. Bullshit. With, with that, virtual reality. See, but you got to be able to. You got you got to be able to you to, to stand behind that. Well, did you try blockchain or yeah. <laughs> IoT? Powered by powered by blockchain. This this uh, rectal digital whatever widget. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, so so Nick, do you have any thoughts? I mean, it seems little I've seen, but. You've got to have well, great Well, I, I think there are many different kinds of investors. <clears throat> I'm really a one-and-done type investor. That doesn't mean I haven't done a few follow-ons. But I think angel investors sometimes have reserves for future investments. Sometimes they don't. Yeah. I, and I, the if, ones who were on my board uh, did. And the guy who was the lead and the heavy hitter mm-hmm. did not. Or at least he'd gotten so bored with private equity, yeah. he just decided to walk away. Yeah, but Mick, uh, you, you will say up front, I'm a one-and-done yeah, yeah, no, no, know. I, yeah, wouldn't, I, I, I won't so say that because I, are, are, you know, uh, that's who sent. I am because my wife won't let me invest anymore. Yeah. Uh, no, I, the, the fact is, is that if, if somebody hasn't hit their targets, you know, in the first round that we assigned or said, then it's hard to follow on because I'd rather get a new bet on the table with yeah. something that can go to the moon. I'm sorry, we had regulatory approval. We had yeah. ISO 13485 certification. We had done it. Yeah, yeah. And we'd yeah. done it in a capital efficient way. And you couldn't really get money to take out the $100 million guy, the horse guy, whatever you want, however you want to euphemistically refer to him, because you'd have to get, get him out and then. Horses, get, something, yes. Yeah, then you'd have to get new, new Damon money. Damon Runyon well. said it's a shame to win a bet on a horse at an early age. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably true. But the other issue is if you look at the more institutionalized investors. Around, I think. Oh, here we go. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> the funds have gotten so large that they cannot look at medical device deals. That's right. Medical device deals, by, their de- by, by definition, are somewhere between 4 or 5 million to maybe 15 million. And if you're running a billion-dollar fund, oh, yes. okay. you made worse recently by all extra money from Wall Street flowing into those funds, you got five partners, each can sit on five boards. You're talking about an average $40 million investment. You can't look at a okay. $4 million investment. You can't afford to do the due diligence. Well, Interestingly also, enough, I just found out about a fund. I was talking to one of the people on my board saying, you know, why don't they just set aside some mad money for the partners? He said, well, actually, I know somebody who just did that. They raised a billion-dollar fund, and they took $50 million and they said, right. 
spend it however you want. Right. You know, it's a sidecar. It's a, it's a sidecar, but it's it's a low due diligence requirement. It's something where you can put a, a million and a half or two right. million into something you think is, you know, that you really like. For whatever so it's really reason. interesting. So what you're getting at is that so uh, the raises were I guess you can talk about them. The raises were how much was your initial raise, second raise, and what was your raise that you were trying to well, make? Well, we had when about two hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars from the first raise. Okay, so smallish. Um, the sort of smallish, and then we raised uh, three point seven million in the Series A. Okay, and then what was the next raise going to be? The next raise had to be Five? something north of one point six, but we were looking for oh, three so to small. four. They're very small, small. very small. And would that have been all you needed to get oh, off yes, the ground? Oh yes, that would have taken us to and beyond cash flow positive. Is this oh. thing on the shelf or is it just dead? It's in my garage. <laughs> Literally on the in shelf. Boxes. It, uh, it's in boxes, not on the shelf. Yeah. So you, you, you still have the IP, you own the IP. Yep. And well, eight of the nine patents are in my name. So they reverted to me anyway, because once the company is dissolved, there's nothing, no assignment left. Right. So, but I also have all of the documentation, this, and and believe me, and this is a world, a regulatory world, where if it isn't documented, it didn't happen. Mm. And you know, the ISO thirteen four eighty five is a two day on site off audit twice a year. Oof. Okay, it's not. It's it, well it, beyond five ten Ks. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. And you know, but we had to meet. We had, we've done all the prerequisites. Mm. You know, the biocompatibility, all those things for a five ten k. We just one of the things we we're going to use part so of that money for was to apply for the five ten k. So theoretically, it was a small. Uh, your set, your your last raise was not. Um, and this is by no means to be critical, but just to understand it because it will help other people. You look like you moved this thing along well, and it just ran into a market which was probably sufficiently saturated. That is, investors had enough mo enough stuff to put their money into that even though you had a, s sounds like not a sure thing, but a nice bet going. I they think just didn't as close to a sure thing as you can get in the investment world. Right, but f and folks just weren't interested. So what would you say to somebody else? I, with well, I think, David, it was one person who was your largest investor yeah. basically screwed it up for he, whatever he the reason. Yeah, but you deal. had that issue. Yeah, issue. that was Mark, you had that podcast issue number also. one. You that had was, that issue yourself. Yeah, my largest investor. Yeah, podcast number one, uh, his company. Uh, which failed. We had raised ago. $4 million, mm -hmm. you know, filed four good patents. Um, didn't get issued yet, uh, at that point, but... Um, Everybody's yeah. listened to podcast one. Why are you repeating all this, well, Just Mark? for the benefit of our, of our guest. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, you know, the yeah, bottom yeah, line is, you know, uh, the, uh, the economic downturn occurred, and my two largest investors, one had all his money at Goldman Sachs, the other was a Japanese company that had their first layoff in 65 years. Well, if we go back a little bit into the history of this, we actually started back in 2007. We put together prototypes and everything else. I raised a Series A. Yep. It's now... I don't know, spring of 2008, and we're two days before, three days before the closing mm. on the Series A. And I get the call, it's not gonna close. And it took me a while to figure it out, but it turned out these guys were angel investors. They had their liquidity for investment purposes in the auction rate securities market. <laughs> and I don't know if you remember back, but the first, the first thing indicator that there was gonna be a real serious problem was when the auction rate securities market collapsed right. right and now all of a sudden their liquidity was less liquid than their house right and so they didn't they, they didn't have they couldn't get access to the cash they were planning to put right. in the company and so we had to bootstrap our way through the great recession and it wasn't until end 2012 beginning 2013 two closes that we uh, finally closed on a second series a which actually closed this time 
So um, what would you it's, do? It's tough to raise money. Yeah, yeah. Really I guess is. that's what it comes down to. So it's if you had known earlier, if I was raising forty or fifty million, that would have been much easier. Well, I've always said it's easier to raise, you know, fifty million than it is to raise fifty thousand. Absolutely. And I think there's a t- tremendous um, problem within the market, particularly right. for, for for smaller investments. And I know another uh, med device firm, and the person who runs that is just absolutely struggling. Again, around working capital, she has she's she's post revenue. She's in the market. She's got great product, mm. and they're struggling. I mean, really struggling. Right. Uh, I talked to a friend of mine who is in the real estate business in Texas. He says for the last two years, the investors have been sitting on the sidelines, so he's basically sitting there twiddling his thumbs, and he's got some inventory. He's been able to sell a few pieces. He does commercial um, uh, real estate turnarounds mm-hmm. uh, and fairly big deals. But he, he's been unable to do anything. That's not even in the medicals, you know, life sciences So space. what would you right. tell somebody who's a, raising money now? Um, do something well, else. <laughs> oh. Get a real job. Uh, no, no, it's, it's, it's really hard right now because, and I think that, the, and again, who knows whether how many people are going to hate me for this? Yeah. But um, I think our great and good president has created so much turmoil, so much unpredictability and uncertainty in the markets that a lot of the investors are sitting on the yeah, sidelines, and particularly the su- our angels and super angels. Right. You know, even the the the, th- the funds are being making very conservative investments from what I've seen. But I've just seen I know too many CEOs that are just sucking wind. Markets don't like because chaos. Because the markets don't like chaos, exactly. They don't like unpredictability. Right. And it's all, it's bad enough when Mick has the investment is unpredictable. Yeah. But when the market is also unpredictable, now it's the unpredictability squared. Well, the, now you add, add, add another factor, again, without getting into the whole politics of it. You know, I think, especially in the technology space, which is the space I've been in, you know, it's it's a global business, and uh, non-U.S. investors don't want to invest in U.S. things in many cases, because it's very worse. U.S. investors would look at this deal and say, oh, you don't have regulatory approval. I'm sorry, what's CE marking? <laughs> if you don't have a 510K, you don't have regulatory approval, because they didn't understand the global nature you of the market. The rest of the world market is 7 to exactly. 12 times the U.S. And market. And the, the European investors were say, were there saying, I was, we'll talk to two in, in the Netherlands, oh, we only be, work with Benelux companies. Right. We won't talk to an American company. That's right, because they're, they're investing locally. You were not in revenue, obviously. We're right at the cusp. I mean, we're, we would have had revenue within weeks of launch. Was it... Would it have been harder in the current environment to raise the first monies you raised, or the monies you were the, the monies you were trying the to raise? Series A, I think I don't think we could have raised them. I don't think we would have raised any money under in the any circumstances markets. in the current market. Between hmm. the discontinuities and the and the, the sort of the structural issues, um, the flavor of the month issue, the Trumpian issue, I mean, it was like a perfect storm of that worked against anybody trying to raise money. Did you money actually in the think about the um, what was that company in New Jersey or wherever they were that added blockchain to their name and their valuation went way up? Remember that? <laughs> did you think about that? We did, and we'd also thought about it. We have some kind of uh, additional bl- algorithms we could we could, could yeah, potentially AI, add yeah. into the firmware now and then with maybe. Put the AI, <laughs> and maybe yeah. put the AI tag yeah. on the new yeah. thing, and that's actually one of the yeah. possibilities I'm working on right now. Oh, uh, okay. to see if I can breathe now new life into it that way. Blockchain it now includes blockchain and artificial intelligence. If so where, uh, where where would the exit be? Uh, not if it became the gold standard, but just say reasonable acceptance. What do you think somebody would uh, would pay for it 
as a finished product. Given that it is a that there is no gold standard, and that was one of the one of the uh, real challenges in the d designing our clinical trial strategy. But for little investors um, to take it to a gold standard is very difficult. So you're looking for an exit to somebody. Yeah, and I mean, we had already we had been talking to Medtronic, Coloplast, uh, Boston Scientific, all Bard, and so forth. That right. all of the at, at both the AUA and EAU did they give you endpoints? Did they say here if you get here we'll we'll do oh, it? Very much so. Well, could could you then license? Well, what you got to understand have? is they will not even talk to you until you're pre post revenue. And what they really uh, are, you see, their business is not to buy product. Right. It doesn't matter if it's good product, bad product, or nothing. Their business is to buy cash flows. Okay, right. and what they really want is to take something like ours that has a very good story to reach 200 to 400 million dollars annual sales, right. and they want to pick it up at 20 or 10 when the sales proposition has been proven. That's and the only aspect can, you couldn't de-risk. When they can buy the, they can buy the, right. the, the, the cash flow in and then grow the cash flow because right. that's because they've got largely mature product lines. Right, they've got that's where they place they're, they're, they're going to get the growth. They're not willing to invest. They were they're unwilling investors. They are, but they generally have VC funds sort of associated with the product. And I'll give you the example of GlaxoSmithKline. We talked to them just as they were coming out with Proscar, which is their new um, uh, BPH drug. Uh, it was, will shrink the, the, the size of the process and keep it shrunk as long as you keep taking their bloody pill. Um, and they saw sort of doing a joint marketing program with us as potentially a real win because in many, many if not most hospitals, if you come in with a new drug, you have to go to the pharmacy and get permission to talk to the doctor. So there's a whole right. hurdle. If you come in with a device, you don't. So they so could you wanted to use us as a device that got them an end run around the pharmacy. So and part, oh, by the way, we have this too. Part of the therapy too. was after you've done the exam or done whatever, you have to take this thing. Yeah, exactly. And so it's a and, they, they tailgate. Know, one of the issues about Proscar, Avidar, any of the finasteroids is does is it working so if you if you're on it for a month and you come back in and I do another measurement and if it's actually shrunk right I know a that it's working yeah, right. B right, right. that you're not lying and you really are taking it right you filled the prescription and so, so sorry so to jump back so they're not they're, they're not a, they wouldn't be a great investor because this is not in their sweet they spot. don't do investments in, or startups could, in early stage companies I, I, I see the issue oh, yeah. you couldn't de-risk the sales process you just de-risk everything else along the way and but I you just worked I that went one to them point. and said hey here, here are 15 of the top urologists running the running, uh, sort of chiefs of urology at a major medical centers right. in the UK and Netherlands. Here are their numbers. Call them. They will tell you in no uncertain terms right. what the market what the market is is for this thing, and they wouldn't do it. They just simply wouldn't do it. They want to see a post revenue company. Period. End of statement. So I was sort of caught in this rock between a rock and a hard place. I couldn't get the working capital to launch it and therefore become post-revenue, and I couldn't get these companies, I think many of whom were 70 plus percent likelihood of, of doing an MA with us. If you us. had another year, what would you do? He needed with, a year and $2 million. I oh. need a year and $2 million. Mick, what, do you what, have your checkbook? I could, no, I, I mean, with money, I could take this thing all the way. Right. And I think it probably would M&A out. I mean, if you think of, if, uh, you know, they talk about five plus times EBITDA. If it's right. a $200 million EBITDA, you're talking a billion dollar M&A. Now, obviously, that's a mix of yeah. cash and stocks yeah. and all kinds of right, other right, stuff. Right. Um, Interesting. But, you know, it was, the potential was there. 
you know, for this guy who was a significant investor, he 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 basically said, "Hey, I want to play with horses instead of so, making two hundred so, million." So he doesn't care because he's he's already done. He was done before he was so born. So I'm thinking about the the, the take home I'm getting from this whole thing is that raising money is just not easy, and it doesn't necessarily get easier. Certainly pre-revenue. You have to think about what else is in the market competing with you every day, too. I've got another deal over here that I like, and this one over here I like, and this one. Where do I go? But you it, can't it, invest in all of them. But in his case, he was he was competing with, with not a company, but uh, this lifestyle shift from his No, his no, no, that to me is, no, I disagree with that. Uh, that, to me, is just there's, it's always a risk that a current investor won't go back in. So, so it would have been nice. It would have been an easier next round had that guy been around. But you, let's just say you simply well, assume my But I think you're right in the sense that he did not decide not to invest because we hadn't done okay, something okay, we were right, supposed right, to right, do. He, he did it because he wanted okay. to do something but else. Yeah, he so got a lifestyle change, right. right. So I guess theoretically... And a midlife crisis, so, whatever. You know, on the surface, you think maybe the horses are more fun than a rectal exam. Well, I think they probably are. <laughs> yeah, 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 simple. So, I'm not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> well, you don't need a 10-foot pole. It's just a thing over your finger. Thank you very much. So, well, okay. So, we're we're so there's, the there could be some more life in this deal, you, you believe. Uh, how much more time do you have on your patents, and can you do adjustments and make them longer? Well, it's got quite a bit of time because we, you know, we actually had one patent that goes all the way back to 2007, um, and then we filed the next eight, partly because that's a wasting asset, and we wanted to reset the patent life on the bulk of the patents. So you have a strategy, too, around patents. Oh, we had an IP strategy. Do you like the best, that are the most interesting, the most fun, the most exciting, the most biggest prize at the end of the rainbow? All those kind of things. So that's difficult to, on any day you go in the market, just like at our screening committee, you know, sometimes we have eight really strong companies and sometimes we have none. Right. And so it's... it's Another element of this has to do with investors' history and with their own startups, with their own whatever. And I'll give you an example. There's a guy here in the Boston general area who's doing a startup, uh, a very interesting startup. Um, He had exited from his last company... I think they'd sold it for three or four hundred million dollars, and I don't know what percentage he had, but it was certainly enough to matter. Right. Um, so he has got lots of cash in the bank, and he's somebody that I thought really should take a look at this and should have been mm. excited about it. But he was not. Uh, he said, "No, you've got there's too much risk in reimbursement left." I said, "Wait a minute." National Health Service has already given us our reimbursement amount. We've essentially got that for the Netherlands. Those are the only two countries so, we win. We've got it. So, What's, so clearly he had had some issue with a product or a company that got into trouble and or failed right. because they couldn't get the reimbursement. But holding this particular individual aside, surely there is somebody that has the unfortunate experience of suffering through prostate cancer and some or being scared oh, that I would say half of the people who were involved with the company had, were people had who were scare. survivors had had a scare had had you know whatever and right. both both on the management team on the board of advisors on the board of directors uh, and some of the investors I'm sure you know this was this is something where it's one in six lifetime risk one, two three. Nope, not good. Yeah, well, somebody else out Shoot. there. Okay, so, it's one, yeah. in, one in eight no, for I, women I, I have with breast that have, cancer. That have had so, gone yeah. that, so. Okay, so it still comes down to, I feel like to finish that thought, it still comes down to raising money is difficult, and it doesn't get easier pre-revenue. I'm writing that and down, it's by not, the way. Right. And it's not and logical. No, but yes. this no, sounds... It's, it's it isn't It's an emotional... Is, but what's not logical thing. about it? The investors, I think, are largely driven by, by emotionality. 
in their decisions to invest or not to, to invest. Okay, but, the, but, the, but if you take that as a given, that's probably, and again, this is no reflection on you. I'm just thinking about the three or four listeners, uh, if we've gained any, out there now. And the view to them should be, you may benefit by the fickleness, uh, the fickle nature of the investor because Sometimes, yes. they may actually decide to invest in a proctology finger or well, glove or whatever it is. One of the folks that was a, or was a, or one of the early investors in the, in the product um, and sort of helped me round up the rest of the group, including this guy who decided to go play with the ponies. Um, you know, I you know was really happy that he. I must have really impressed him. And you now, three or four months later, I come to find out the day before he met with me, he had been to see his urologist right. because he's a right. prostate cancer right. survivor. Right. Right. His urologist is the chief at one of the major hospitals in, in New York. Right. And so said and and his fellow yeah. asked him about this problem. He's going to meet this guy tomorrow and right. asked him right. about it. And the guy looked him right in the eye and said, we need that. And this is the ponies wow. guy? No, this, this is the one of the other investors. Okay, right. so so you can benefit from that fickle nature as well. You and definitely just, can. And this, it really comes down to, and I mean, uh, just a fatalistically shit happens and it's difficult it, it's just difficult to raise you're, money, and you're, you you were on the bad side of it because you yeah, got hit. I, I've, raised money and, hit. And, I, I've raised money and, and yeah. done well. I've raised money, and, right. and it's and been on the shelf. And you're exactly. coming at Same it. thing. Yeah, same thing. Right. right. Now, I knew a guy who had these really interesting Hallmark-esque cards with some really interesting process that had all his equipment built, and he just needed another dollar. But, Couldn't yeah. get the other dollar, and he had shut the whole damn line down. So well, that's for, that's this, but for $2 million, yes. he, he's at revenue. And but for that revenue, yeah. then he's at a potential M&A inflection point. So what can point. you? So what can what the three listeners again? If we have that many, what is it that they could take home from this other than my? It's line very that hard to down. raise money. It's hard to raise money. It's very hard to continue raising money along the journey. Re- what a revelation! Yeah. Well, <laughs> no. yeah, we should so get more do? than just hard, it's hard to raise money. Well, think about it, then. What's the answer? What do What do you learn? Um. I, you know, I wish I knew all the answers. I, that's the reason I'm here. I'm yeah, trying to learn well, the that's answers. That's all we did. That's all we thought you were here. To, yeah. You knew everything. <laughs> he's the he's the okay. white hair at the table. Yeah. Normally, well, it's you know, too. is it the management team that they're right. that they're investing in? Well, you know, we had a hell of a management team, and everybody acknowledged that. Right. You know, including especially it included the board of directors and board of advisors. We had the right people, top names, um, and really smart people. Um, you look at the product. It's a hell, an incredibly well-designed product. Right. Mick, you know, we are waiting for myself. words of wisdom, Mick. Come um, on. You know, well, there's, all these things just didn't matter. And now it's up on the shelf. Hold on. You guys are having your own echo so, chamber here. Oh, I'm sorry. We have a new echo chamber. All right. <laughs> the, the, the idea is, is there's lots and lots of great products that never make it to market. And, I mean, building a sales force is, I don't know whether you, that was what you were going to do. To sell you to build a sales force is a big, big deal and a tough deal. Um, and again, if if investors are looking and saying, "What what stumbling blocks are between here and, and success?" Th- there's a bunch of them. Right. That even though you have a great product and you have all the patents in the world, a lot of things can happen. And I'm sure you have answers to all those things because that's what you do. Exactly. So, but so, is the advice that yeah. he so he he pulled the plug. He's got the assets. Should he restart it? Well, but for two million dollars, it's a, it becomes a restart. It becomes well, a restart. But we'll, maybe we'll, should take we'll add I, I, AI at least up, to, you know, with enough credibility to pass right. the giggle test. Um, or I'll do something different. Oh, hold on, you know, before, let's, let's, I wanna, I wanna, let's let we'll, we'll force Mick to finish his thought if you can finish it. I think he did. 
Is I finished my thought. I'm sorry. So I money's hard. To, so this is money's hard to raise and shit happens. Something something don't come to market. Shit happens. I remember. Do you get that? But that's what Nick was saying. Some things just don't come to market, no matter how worthy they are. Right. Yeah. The no. old build a better mousetrap, and they'll no, that, that doesn't work. So it's this marketing. Is, this, we've got a jockey, and that's whether it's marketing this product or marketing the sales for right. this product. Or marketing the product itself, you know, the, those are things that are oh, difficult. I've, I've all but the key criteria that both the investors are looking for, and they're looking at it for it because the third-party investors, are, for third-party payers, are looking for it, is: Will this product improve patient outcomes significantly, and will it save cost significantly? And exactly. we were talking about saving between yeah, yeah. two and a half and three and a half billion dollars a year in the U.S. alone and dramatically improve patient outcomes. So by the criteria that they explicitly go by, we should have been golden. Right? Okay, so wait a but minute. We I, have a, I have a new theory. This is going along with the others, which is money's hard to raise and shit happens, yeah. especially in the proctology market. <laughs> okay, you didn't like that. Um, the other one was what we used to talk about, which is failure is actually the, the natural state of things. Yeah. Right? Well, Failure is a conversation with the market. Hey, so way I'd go along with entropy. You don't know exactly. So let's let's change gears a little because we may even beat this. Ha ha. We beat this dead horse. Except it wasn't dead. We beat these 700 horses who weren't dead until whatever. They didn't give you money, whatever. Um, but talk about failure. Not your, not failure of the business, but talk about the nature of failure. Is failure the inevitable? Is it the natural order of things when it comes to business and it's only the few that succeed, luck or otherwise, I, I weigh have, in on all that. I have a feeling just listening and reading about this kind of stuff that, you know, it's, there's a huge element of caprice and luck in making it. There are a lot of very smart people doing really, are working really hard, coming up with really good products right. that meet oh. all the criteria of the marketplace who just don't make it for whatever reason. And sometimes yeah. it's just, I mean, I think from my point of That's view, fair. it yeah. was like there was a perfect storm in terms of what, what, what investors, and why investors And then you look at Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> How much did she burn through? Oh, no. A billion something. <laughs> That's the, yeah. She built a good board. She had Without a, a product. But she didn't, yeah, she never <laughs> she a product. She snatched defeat from the jaws of defeat. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. exactly. Yeah, but, but, it's different. but it seems like, you know, what he's done is, is basically three out of four aspects were successful. Yeah. So one last checkbox hasn't, he hasn't crossed that, and, that bridge yet. And by the way, I saw the fact that we were going to need to raise money when we still had seven figures in the bank. I went yeah, to the yeah. board with that, and we started the fundraising process. Um, mm. You so know, when what, we weren't desperate. Is is the company did it file? What did it do? It and closed and dissolved. The corporation is dissolved. Okay. The tax the shareholders gave it told me in no uncertain terms they wanted their tax losses and they wanted them this last year for 2018. Okay. So, so, so what? Are you, are you have more questions there? Because I had well, a, I'm just saying, on this resurgence, a restart. So yeah, restart when, is a free. It's a, it's a clean at, slate. When you look at a new clean slate, especially the cap table is clean. Yeah, yeah. Two million dollars. He's got to decide whether it's worth putting effort into that or whether you've got three well, offers on your table well, got, yeah, or on I've your got, desk or whatever. But, and sometimes three deals, potential yeah. deals. And sometimes you just have to leave well enough alone. But well, I don't. There I, is, I don't, there is and, some attraction to having a clean cap table. Yep. And the valuation to be determined. Yeah. Um, because if you the preconceived valuation, you had to do something for your old investors. You had to give them an up round. You couldn't give them a down round. Yep. So now with a clean slate, you have a different story. Well, this might the be CE marking the ISO thirteen four eighty five certifications was a big, you know, sh should have been a big, you know, market cap bump. Right. You know that should have been a valuation bump, and you know, with without, you know, 
and anybody having to worry so about So why didn't you go to Europe and sell them? We tried, but the question is how do you get enough receivables before you actually ship a product mm-hmm. to be able to raise the kind of money we needed to raise to launch the product and build okay. Ecuador? Well, I mean, but if I you're tried already- going to the, to, 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 to the Middle East. I tried going to uh, various large organizations in the U.S. and mm-hmm. Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Canada still may be an interesting possibility. There's some interesting funding sources up there. Right. They essentially got a national health system, and you know, one where like Kaiser, Kaiser looked at this and said, "Wow," because they could just see huge numbers dropping to their bottom, their bottom line. Well, I have an idea because because failure is now turning to be so relatively uninteresting because it's because it is the natural order. Maybe we should have a podcast like everyone else's on success. But then we then the, we'd have the usual bullshit. The dark side of success. The dark side of success. Well, the question is isn't really success, but what what are the elements that make success and failure happen? Well, and so I do think just pure good luck. I look. I'm well, a so yeah, the, the reason we don't do success is, is our, our sense is that successful businesses you'll often not get the truth behind success, and you've got a much better chance of getting the truth behind failure. Mm-hmm. than the truth behind success because God knows maybe they don't even know why they're successful and you'll end up hearing the, uh, the CEO's view of sort of a garbage view of why he succeeded maybe he or she doesn't know yeah well it's a very good book that I'd recommend to you called Bold which looks Bold, at B-O-L-D B-O-L-D yeah which looks at you know why are the Bezos and people like that of this world successful what is it that they're doing differently than say <laughs> I am that it ha- happens to land them or was it luck what, there's what a would piece the, of it. Timing well, and luck. There's timing but and what there's would have luck you done and there's visionary, then? there's sort of a vision and, you know, it's it's a way of thinking and I'm not sure at this point. Well, you point, thought you were a visionary I'm, and, and if you'd done well, we would have said you were. And I think that, you know, luck wasn't with me. Uh, but, timing, luck, timing, all luck. kinds of things. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of timing, we're at like an hour. Yeah, so so can you give us some final words? Yeah, what would, here, here's what I'm going to suggest the final words. Oh, word. there we go. What would have you done differently? You cool. couldn't have picked your investor. You wouldn't have known that your horse guy was going to go to go to the horses, could We're have you? Done. Okay. Two two things. One, I probably would not have uh, allowed the Series A to close at the number it closed at. So you would have raised as, more. As what one of my board members said, I've never seen a company that was overfunded. Yeah. And the other thing I would have done is uh, insisted on follow-on monies being put into escrow. Ah. So you could tap them if we had to, and you could buy, you could put some kinds of conditions on put there. Conditions, so put some warrant, additional warrant coverage warrant or whatever. Coverage or whatever. I'm sorry, so I missed the, the, the point there because I was. So the 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 point was, uh, he would have raised more when he had the opportunity, and then oh. he would have put a conditional follow-on amount of funds, or he would have put an amount of follow-on funds in escrow. Oh, but that that's with that would, I guess given who with you rules. had, but that's given who you had, we that would have VC, worked. If we were talking to a VC, yeah. they would have put fi- fi- yeah. follow-on funds aside automatically. Right. Okay, that's yeah. just how they operate. Deal, we're dealing with a bunch of high net worth yeah. individuals and family offices. Yeah. They right. don't do that oh, that's automatically. Great, that's, that's great. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. My pleasure. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, that was great. <clears throat> Very interesting. Very interesting. Maybe we'll see you again soon. Yeah.